Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 194 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about dividends. And specifically, we're going to be talking about uh, whether or not you should take dividends off of uh, your investment accounts and use them as income. Uh, because dividends are, are heavily touted as a great passive income uh, vehicle, a great way that you can have income without actually having to go and work for that income. And I just really want to push back against this idea and really see if using these cash payments as income uh, is what is most beneficial for us over the long term. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, and be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long-form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to create a financial plan that is specific to you and your family's needs and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just go to my website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Click on the Work With Dylan tab, and you can choose the financial coaching session type that would work best for you, and we can begin pushing towards your long-term financial goals together. So let's just have a quick refresher on exactly what dividends are. Well, in short, dividends are payments that companies make to their investors on a voluntary basis. Okay, now I'm going to dig a little deeper than that, but that is uh, at the baseline exactly what dividends are. They are payments to investors that companies make and they make them voluntarily. Okay, so when I invest in a specific stock, a particular company, right? Uh, that company may or may not pay a dividend. And that may or may not go into my determination of whether or not I want to invest in that particular company. But the company may or may not pay a particular amount in dividends. And so if they do pay a dividend, what that means is that whatever net income they make, and what I mean by net income is you take their revenues, you take out all of their expenses, taxes, interest, all those different types of things, and you get to the bottom line, their net income, right? Whatever net income they make, they have two choices with that net income. They can either keep that net income within the company and try to grow it, and that's what we call retained earnings. They're retaining their earnings, retaining their net income and using it to grow the company, or they can pay it back out uh, to investors. And there are really two ways that they go about doing this. One is via share repurchases and the other uh, is through dividends and dividend payments. And so if companies think that the best use of their capital is not to keep it within the company to grow uh, the company internally and increase shareholder value that way, then they would just pay the uh, dividends to shareholders, or at least that is uh, the theory behind it. And so for any particular company you may invest in, like I said, it may or may not pay a dividend. Uh, I just want to use for a second AT&T uh, as a particular example in this case. So AT&T has paid a dividend for um, as long as anybody alive can remember, okay? Uh, AT&T is a stock that's been around for years and years and years, and it is really well known as a high-yield dividend stock. Uh, it is not a stock that is really well known for uh, good capital appreciation, meaning uh, you have the stock price going up a lot at any given time. Um, what it's most known for is its dividend and its dividend yield. Where the dividend yield is just the rate of return you would make over one year if the stock price did nothing and you just made the dividend. Okay, so right now they pay a dividend yield of 6.72%. So if I were to invest in AT&T today, 
then I would make 6.72% of the prevailing market price right, in dividends over the next 12 months, or at least that's what the current dividend rate is. It could be increased, decreased, uh, or whatever, but AT&T has been one of those dividend aristocrats that increases their dividends over and over and over again. So right now, over the course of a year, AT&T would end up paying me approximately $2.08 over the course of the year per share. Okay, so uh, the shares right now are going for $30.92. And so if you buy a bunch of shares, then this can actually turn into uh, a good amount of money, right? But it is naturally just a 6.72% return on your money, right? You, you're making that return. Well, as an investor, right, you really get two pieces to your return. You either get the capital appreciation where the stock price goes up or maybe the stock price goes down over the course of a year or uh, multiple years or whatever, right? But you can also receive the income. And in this case, when we're talking about income, we are talking about dividends specifically. Now, one very important part of our returns over time is not just the fact that we receive dividends, but the fact that you may want to reinvest your dividends. And that really brings us to the question of today's episode. And that is, well, should we take our dividends as income or uh, should we be reinvesting them? Well, let's start by talking about why you would just take them as income. Now, the best reason uh, to take dividends as income uh, would be that you have some specific purpose. You have some specific thing that you are needing to pay for, that you are needing to fund. Uh, for instance, uh, the one of the best examples would be retirement. A lot of people use dividend paying stocks in retirement so that they receive income off of these stocks, right? And that income pays for their lifestyle. They're not making money uh, in the way of salaries and wages anymore. And so uh, they need money to be coming into them some way, somehow via their investments and dividends are a good avenue via which that can occur. So that's perfectly fine, right? Taking them as income in that case uh, is perfectly fine. Or, right, if you have something... Uh, over the course of your life that you can use dividends to pay for, such as uh, your kid's college, right? Maybe you have a nice brokerage account that you can use dividends to pay for your kid's college. That would be really nice. Or uh, you can you know, take your dividend income and do something like um, you know, pay off a house if that's what you want to do or, or whatever, right? There, there are some specific purposes for which using dividend income could be a good idea. But Anything that you do with dividend income is always going to eat away at your returns, okay? It's always going to eat away at your returns because you also have the option of reinvesting your dividends, okay? You do not have to take your dividends as income. When companies pay dividends into your account, whatever brokerage house you use for your investments, they give you the option when you set up an account and you can go in and change it at any time uh, if you want to reinvest dividends or not. And reinvesting dividends what that is is it's taking that income that the company is paying you and so in the case of AT&T that $2.08 over the course of the year that AT&T is going to pay me and reinvest that money into AT&T stock reinvest it into the thing uh, that paid you the dividend okay and so by doing that what you get is you get more of that particular thing that paid you okay and your dividends will actually compound as well meaning Right here, you're making 6.72% on a $30.92 share uh, of AT&T. But if you reinvest your dividends, right, then you're going to hold more than just a $30.92 share, right? The amount that you hold is going to increase. Therefore, the amount of dividends that you'll get paid will subsequently increase. 
Okay, so it allows you to make money on money that is being paid out uh, to you as an investor. So you can take that money and reinvest it into whatever paid you that particular dividend. Now, in my opinion, you should always reinvest your dividends unless you have some specific need, right? Retirement makes perfect sense or, you know, having to pay for something like a kid's college or something like that, right? That you know, you're going to have to pay for, and you know, you expected to pull off of investment accounts in order to do, then using dividend income is not such a bad idea, but any other situation, right? If you're just uh, trying to create quote unquote, multiple income streams, right? If you're just uh, trying to bring more money in every month, do not do it via dividend income. It's not a good idea typically because you could be growing your accounts to far, far more than what your accounts are gonna to grow to for you because you are taking the dividends off of your accounts. And you may be thinking, well, what's the big deal, right? Uh, are these dividends such a big part uh, of what's going on within my account that they're going to really eat away at that much of my returns over time? Well, in short, yes. Right now, AT&T is a very extreme example because they have a 6.72% dividend yield that is very, very high, right? Most companies that are paying dividends are paying less than 2% uh, as far as dividend yields go. And so uh, you may say, well, you know, if a company's paying less than 2%, how is that really going to eat away uh, at my returns over time if I'm taking that 2% off for myself? Well, let me just give you the numbers, especially for the S&P 500, right? Because we use the S&P 500 as our benchmark index because it's 500 of the largest companies in the United States, right, at any given time. And so if you just looked over the last 50 years, you look from 1971 all the way to 2021, Okay, and you looked and you said, okay, what is the S&P 500's annualized return? Well, the annualized return of the S&P 500, if you just took the price, right, the price of the company stocks, right, and you said, what's the return? That return is 7.635%, which is a wee bit underwhelming considering that we typically consider uh, closer to a 10% rate of return for the S&P 500, uh, the return that we would expect uh, to, to receive over the long term. So that's a little bit underwhelming. But that return is not all that there is. That only has to do with price. That is your capital gains return, right? That is your capital appreciation return. If you took the dividends that you could have made off of the companies in the S&P 500 and reinvested them, right, over the course of that 50-year period, Instead of making a 7.635% return, you could have made a 10.713% return, okay? So this is over a 3% difference between uh, not reinvesting dividends and actually reinvesting dividends. And again, 3% to a lot of people does not sound like much, but over a 50-year period, that can make a huge, huge difference. Now, you may ask how big a difference exactly. Well, I think the difference will really surprise you, okay? If you had $10,000 and you invested it in 1971, April of 1971, and held it until April of 2021, okay? And you invested it in the S&P 500 and you only took uh, the returns as far as the price, okay? Now, obviously you would receive the dividends that the companies paid, okay? But you would put those in your pocket and use them as income. So we're going to treat those dividends as spent, okay? So even though you could have spent those dividends, right? You did not reinvest them. But let's just say what's in your account after 50 years? What's in your account after investing $10,000 50 years ago and letting it grow just by the price? 
Well, if you just let it grow by the price of the S&P 500, you would have $395,982.29 based on just the price, right? That $10,000 would have grown to that amount, which is no slouch, right? It is still a, a fair amount of money to grow $10,000 into, okay? But that was at the 7.635% uh, that I was talking about just a moment ago. But if you took your dividends and reinvested your dividends back into uh, the companies that paid them, right? Back into that S&P 500 index or whatever you're investing in to get the S&P 500 uh, returns, right? Instead of 395000 right? You would have had $1.62 million in an investment account in 2021 after 50 years of investing uh, just that initial $10,000 investment. Okay, so you see that this is a vast difference, right? Reinvesting dividends makes a huge, 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 huge difference. And so if you're sitting there thinking, well, what about all those dividends that got paid to me, right? What about all those ones that I used as income? Uh, apparently those were useful to me still and, and I got paid those dividends. So you're missing a little something in this calculation. Well, yes, and I didn't go in depth to try to see exactly how much you would have gotten paid in dividends. But I can tell you this, just based on the time value of money, just based on uh, how those dividends reinvested would grow and how I know uh, that occurs, the dividends that you would have received uh, are not near the gap that you see between these two values, right? The gap that you see between these two values is over $1.2 million in gap, right? And so on a $10,000 initial investment, there's no way you would have made $1.2 million in dividends, especially when we know that our dividends are based on what we have invested at the time. And you see that that one account only grows to $395,000, right? So the amount of dividends that you would have made would never have touched the difference between these two different accounts, right? And so reinvesting your dividends is going to allow you to make higher rates of return, okay? Now, regardless of if you reinvest or do not reinvest, this is very important to know. Your ordinary dividends, right? The dividends that are qualified dividends are still going to be taxed. And again, whether or not you are reinvesting or not, they are still going to get taxed because what a lot of people think is, oh, well, I'll reinvest the dividends. That way I can get away from taxation. Well, that's just not true because they think in the way of capital gains, right? Because we know if we buy something, we hold it for more than a year uh, and then we sell it, right? And realize the gains, then we pay uh, taxes on that gain once it's realized. And so people think that if they keep the money within uh, whatever uh, they are invested in, right, by reinvesting the dividends that they don't have to pay taxes, that's just not the case. The way that dividend reinvestment is treated is as if they pay you the dividend in cash into the account and then your brokerage house goes and invests that money. So you're still going to get taxed if that money is in uh, a normal brokerage account or some joint a tenant's account, right? If it's not within some type of tax advantage account, you will have to pay taxes on those dividends regardless, okay? Uh, so the calculation here might be off just a little bit by the amount of taxes you would pay on the dividends, but that is still a very minuscule amount uh, over time, especially if you're starting with a $10,000 initial investment. So not a perfect calculation that I've done for you here, but uh, close enough to know uh, that if you reinvest dividends, that is going to make all the difference. And uh, the reason that I make an episode like this, the reason that I want you guys to understand that this is the case is because I hear a lot of younger people uh, talking about taking dividend income, right? And that 
oh, this stock paid me this much in dividends and that goes straight to my bank account and that's more income for me. Well, I understand what you're doing there, right? And I understand the whole idea of trying to have multiple income streams. I get it, right? Trying to have multiple income streams is perfectly fine. Trying to uh, build a you know diverse income uh, portfolio is, is perfectly fine. I, I understand what you're trying to do. But, right, if you were to leave those dividends invested and leave them alone, especially if you're young and you have time and you have time for those dividends to uh, be reinvested and to uh, compound over time for you, right, it can really make a huge difference in your long-term financial life. It may not seem like today that, that taking $100 in dividends is such a big deal, right? But if you look at the growth of the S&P 500 over time, right, $1 turns into a lot more than $1 later on, right? If you do the math over the long term, $1 uh, is going to turn into over a 40 or 50 year period, uh, upwards of 40, 50, 60 dollars given prevailing market returns. Okay, and given that that is the case, you take a hundred dollars, just do that quick multiplication, right? We're talking about thousands of dollars at a time uh, that you are taking away from your future self just by consuming today. It's all about delayed gratification in this place. It's all about saying, I'm willing to let these dividends stay here, stay invested, and grow over time uh, instead of taking them off and using them uh, for whatever frivolous thing you may want to use it for. Maybe it's not frivolous. Maybe you're trying to live off your dividend income. And that's another thing. If you are part of the FIRE movement and you're somebody young who's trying to retire early and you're trying to build out income for yourself, and one way that you're doing that is via dividend income, by all means, again, th that's retirement, right? That is having to sustain yourself off of your investments. It makes perfect sense why you would take income off of your dividends. But if you don't need the dividend income, and when I say need, I use that very strictly, right? Need, meaning you don't have any other income or you aren't uh, using it for some very, very specific purpose that you plan to use it for that is outside of your just personal wants, right? Uh, if you don't have some specific need for this money, uh, then you need to leave it in the investment accounts that you have it with and have it reinvested. Make sure that that reinvestment uh, little toggle is clicked to reinvest and not don't reinvest your dividends, right, on whatever brokerage house that you're using, right, because they give you the choice. And if you told them to not reinvest, they won't do it naturally for you, okay? So give them uh, the ability to do that and your money can grow and your money can grow in an outstanding way over the long term. You've seen it here, uh, and there are many examples of it doing so. That's why a lot of people do uh, like dividend-paying stocks as a part of their portfolio because uh, it provides some stability to their portfolio that will get reinvested back into those stocks and allows them to make money even when markets are down because those stocks will keep paying them the dividends and they can keep adding to their positions with money that they didn't even put in. Now, something else that uh, getting paid dividends allows us to do is it allows us to employ some dollar cost averaging. And I talked about this earlier uh, in this week's videos, right? Dollar cost averaging is this idea of investing a specific dollar amount back into uh, whatever you are invested in uh, and allow yourself to buy at highs and buy at lows and buy at highs and buy at lows, right? And get an average cost to whatever you uh, are invested in. And having dividends paid to you and reinvested allows that to occur as well. Because if you're getting paid 
uh, these dividends, you could reinvest at a really good time for the stock. You could reinvest at a really bad time for the stock, right? But it allows you to employ some dollar cost averaging, and that really works a lot better uh, as you compound more and grow more money within those accounts. And it makes a lot more sense if you are not adding money actively to whatever account it is, right? It's as if money is being added to the account uh, without you having to do it. Now, obviously, that's going to eat up your return uh, from whatever companies are paying those dividends because companies who do pay dividends, uh, they typically don't make as good of returns when it comes to just the capital appreciation, just the stock price, right? Because they are paying you that dividend out, okay? And so that dollar cost averaging that gets put into play there uh, is a really cool thing, a really uh, helpful thing and helps your account to grow over time. And so a couple more reasons that dividend reinvestment is a really good idea. Uh, with dividend reinvestment, and this is not such a big issue anymore, uh, but dividend reinvestment could allow people to get commission-free transactions, right? If you're having to pay any type of transaction cost uh, to buy shares of stock, then the dividend reinvestment is not going to require you to do that. There is not going to be any transaction fee on dividend reinvestment, so you'll get more money invested into whatever it is, and it will be done uh, without any transaction costs to yourself. Not to mention, there are several brokerages, a lot of the traditional brokerages, I know Vanguard is one, uh, but there are multiple out there who don't allow you to buy fractional shares still. Uh, now, I know a lot of the you know apps and a lot of the more contemporary investment sites allow you to buy fractional shares, but a lot of the traditional ones don't. But with dividend reinvestment, you can buy fractional shares. That's exactly what they're doing when they're reinvesting the dividends back into whatever company it is, is they are buying fractional shares of that company with the money uh, that you got paid. Like I was saying with AT&T earlier, you know, if you're getting paid $2.08 per year, you're not going to be able to buy a full 30 or $31 share with that money anytime soon. But what they do is it just, it just buys the fractional amounts. It buys the proportional amount that that dividend would purchase uh, and allows you to continue to compound your money that way, which is very, very useful. Now, I want to leave you with uh, one more specific example that talks specifically about the dividends, the amount of dividends that you take out, uh, and the amount that your money could have grown over time. So uh, let's just take this example. Assume that ABC stock performs consistently and the company continues to raise its dividend rate at the same amount each year. So keep in mind, this is a hypothetical example. This is not a real company, okay? After 20 years, you own uh, 1,401 and a quarter shares that are valued at $188,664.30. And your dividend would be $2,031.82. If you had taken your dividend payments in cash, instead of reinvesting them, you would have pocketed $24,367.68 in dividends, but you would have just 1,000 shares now only worth $134,640. By reinvesting your dividends each year, you increased your gains by 47%. Okay, so over a 20-year period in this particular stock, you increase your gains by 47%, right? And so there are some details there that, that get left out as to your initial purchases, right? But this is from uh, one Investopedia article that I pulled from, right? But it shows you that if you just hold a certain amount of shares over time, you're not actively purchasing, right? But you are holding a certain amount of shares and then reinvesting your dividends. It will allow you to pick up a lot more shares, right? And allow you to have a lot more in your nest egg over time, right? So increasing your gains by 47% sounds like, uh, a really good game to be playing in uh, if we are talking about reinvesting our dividends versus taking our dividends out 
as cash payments. Now, something that I do want to hit on before uh, we wrap things up today are also repurchases, share repurchases. Okay, something that a company may do instead of pay you dividends is repurchase shares. Okay, so one of the uh, ones that comes to mind when I think of share repurchases is Berkshire Hathaway. Apple also does share repurchases. Apple is a really good company to look at if you're interested in dividends and share repurchases because they actually do both. Okay, Berkshire Hathaway only uh, repurchases shares and they do so uh, quite heavily over time. And what repurchasing shares is, is that the company, instead of using some of their net income, some of their earnings in order to uh, pay out dividends, pay out cash directly to investors, they take that cash and they take that cash and they decide we're going to purchase some shares back from the market, right? We're going to retain some ownership of the company. We're going to take some ownership back from the market. Now, in doing so, you take shares out of the market. Now, the company's still worth the same amount, but you take out shares from the market. So each share, each share price goes up because all the share prices is the market value of the company divided by the number of shares, Okay, but if you were to take that same market value and divide it by a lower number of shares, then you get a higher price. And so the price for uh, the owners of the firm, the investors, actually goes up. So the investors do uh, get return from share repurchases. Now, in many cases, share repurchases, uh, if you know, you're somebody who is not taking dividend income, right? share repurchases should be something that you really like and that you're really interested in. Now, why? Why is it more effective uh, than dividends to investors? Well, because you don't have to pay any taxes on share repurchases. If you hold a company uh, that repurchases its shares and does not pay dividends, right, then you're not going to pay any taxes on those share repurchases. Just the value of your shares will increase and that will be unrealized gains in that particular company. Okay. But if a company pays you dividends, like I talked about earlier, you are going to have to pay taxes on the dividends that are paid to you. Okay. So if given the choice between, uh, buying a company that pays dividends and buying a company that aggressively repurchases shares, right? Obviously there's a lot of fundamental analysis to be done and you have to make a lot of specific decisions as to how uh, you are trying to invest and what particular types of companies you want to invest in. But uh, given an apples to apples choice, I would choose a company that repurchases shares because that is going to allow me to save a little bit on taxes over time uh, while still getting the same outcome of reinvesting dividends over time. Not to mention companies seem far more likely uh, to repurchase large amounts uh, of their shares where they're not that likely to pay dividends, right? Uh, there are a lot of companies that just dividends do not sound like something they're interested in because uh, once you pay dividends, dividends are something that investors start to uh, expect. They start to want those dividends from the company. It's not something that, uh, you know, if you decrease the dividend, that's typically not a good sign uh, and investors will punish you, punish your stock for that, right? But share repurchases are something that can be chosen at the discretion of management and it is a way that they can give money back uh, to investors. So even though you may not get uh, you know, shares repurchased all the time, right? There are companies who do it quite a bit and do it in large swaths when they do it, okay? And that can provide you with uh, some good capital appreciation on top of uh, the money that they are retaining in the firm. And really, you won't be able to tell the difference. You won't be able to tell the difference between uh, the growth of retained earnings, the, the growth of the firm internally, and the uh, shares that are repurchased. And so uh, it's nice. It allows you to save a little bit on taxes um, and allows you to not have to deal with the whole uh, reinvestment or dividends, even though that's not a huge deal, right? But when it comes down to it, okay, when it comes down to it, 
I just want you guys to understand that reinvesting dividends, it's a valuable thing to do. Okay, it's something that you should be doing if you own stocks that pay dividends, right? If you own an S&P 500 index fund, uh, you should be reinvesting the dividends of the S&P 500 index fund, unless you are in a place like retirement or somewhere that uh, you absolutely need the income, okay? Uh, you should be reinvesting your income if you want to make the best returns over time. Because a 3% difference between uh, the S&P 500 return without dividends and with dividends reinvested uh, is a really big difference. And I want you to be able to uh, make those returns. I want you to be able to compound your money uh, in the best way possible. And dividends are a really good way in which we can do that. But just keep dividend reinvestment in your mind. Go make sure that you are reinvesting your dividends and really question if you are somebody who's taking the income off of uh, your dividend paying stocks, ask yourself why and ask yourself if you really need that income. Because if you don't, then you are wasting returns over the long term uh, just to consume those returns today. And that is never a good idea. Short-term sacrifice will lead uh, to better long-term returns. And you just have to make those decisions for yourself. But I think there's really no better way over the long term to pick up a few extra uh, percentage points in return uh, and allow your money to compound in the best way possible than uh, reinvesting the dividends that are being paid to you uh, in your dividend paying stocks and the index funds that you may be invested in. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to create a financial plan that's specific to you and your family's needs and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just go to my website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Click on the Work with Dylan tab and you can choose the financial coaching session type that would work best for you. And we can begin pushing towards your long-term financial goals together. So tune in tomorrow as I talk about 529s, UTMAs, UGMAs, and everything in between uh, when we are talking about how you can save for your kid's college uh, and how you can pay for those educational expenses uh, without having to just front the money right out of your income. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.